How are you doing? Uh, welcome to another ep- episode of Bookstabber. It's so great to be in the, back in Bookstabber HQ here with my good friend Gene Ambaum, writer of Library Comic. And with my friend Willow Payne, illustrator of Library Comic. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and our office stretches across the United States from Seattle to somewhere in Florida. <laughs> That's right. It's a huge office. It's a huge... Uh, we have a, an underground tunnel that takes us from one to the other that is powered by the Earth's magnetic core. That's true. Much like in that terrible, terrible remake of Total Recall that makes no oh, sense. Oh, I have not seen that. Could not bring myself to watch it. Had it in, had it in a like Netflix queue the other day or something, or was it on Amazon Prime, and just couldn't pull the trigger. Couldn't pull the, the original trigger. Total, the original Total Recall is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. So much and fun. That, that remake is so awful in every way. Huh. Okay. Oh. Well. All right. Well. Now. Now you're making me want to watch it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you <laughs> regret it, it. Probably. Well, but but we disagree about so many things. Now that I know you hate it, I'm like, well, maybe maybe that's the movie for me. We'll have to see. Well, you know, I I finally watched the Eternals. I know you didn't like that. Oh. You were the the listeners at home don't know this, but Gene really really did not like the Eternals. I've never heard him quite so mad about a movie before. Hated that movie. Hated that movie. So disappointing. Such a such I, a load of garbage. I didn't think it was particularly good, but I I did not I did not become belligerent while watching. <laughs> I felt personally affronted and insulted by having spent my time uh, watching that film, but not as insulted as I felt by the uh, the new Matrix. So, which, which I thought was a direct insult to uh, my intelligence and my enjoyment of the first couple of movies. This is just this bookstabber is livid. This is hot take city. We are just. <laughs> My friend, my friend calls me up the other day and goes, "Why, why does uh, Neo in the Matrix look so much like John Wick?" And I just, <laughs> I, I thought that was the stupidest question I'd ever heard in my life. That might be, yeah. This was a sincere question. Well, I think it was more of a styling, a style question. He's like, "Why does, why does Neo not clean shaven?" And yeah, it was very, it was a very, it was a very strange moment. I was like, "Well, that, that you know, that, that that is the same act." Uh, which... Right. Why does why does it look like Keanu Reeves, who has aged in real time since we saw the first Matrix? That's right. That's right. I mean, Keanu Reeves, you know, bless him. Like uh, aging, it's fine. He looks great. You know, wish I was he Keanu. Has, Keanu has aged more gracefully than than most people. Let's face it. Oh, but Carrie Ann Moss too has aged very gracefully. I, I thought she, I oh, thought yeah. she looked fantastic in uh, the Matrix sequel. But um, and and as I told my uh, my Korean nephew last night uh when i was talking to him and hey there are now asian people in the matrix so but i said don't let that suck you in it's a terrible movie it's gonna insult <laughs> your intelligence you're gonna see it in the previews you're gonna be like oh that's more compelling i said it's not it's just you know it, 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 it like like i think i think the worst thing about the matrix movie was that i was on board for about the first half hour i was like oh yeah i'm in on this i'm in on this joke and then i slowly mm-hmm. realized the, the joke was on me and yeah, I, I was not, I was not in for that. Anyway, anyway, enough about that. Let's get to today's okay. bookstabber. So give us, give us the spoiler warning, Willow. We are going to spoil every aspect of the two books that we are going to talk about today. They could not be spoiled more. If you have any interest in the the works of the late YA author William Slater, I highly hence to your local library to uh, to pick them up. Highly, don't hence. listen to this pot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And why are we why are we reading these two books today? Uh, as as a youth, I was a huge fan of the author William Slater. You might know him from such works as <laughs> uh, House of Stairs. I did read House of Stairs once a time. 
I, I, I should have a list in front of me. I'm, I have all of these Wikipedia tabs open for other things completely unrelated. Let me just stare at my bookshelf real fast. Um, uh, the Boxes, that was the first one I read. Into the Dream, I don't remember that one at all. The Spirit House. He wrote all these uh, just dozens of science fiction YA books throughout the 80s, 90s, uh, and I think early 2000s. Uh, Blackbriar is his first novel. I've read that one. Anyway, I read a ton of them. I haven't read all of them, and I probably ought to. I probably ought to finish the, the collection here. I, I fell in love with these books from like fifth grade throughout middle school because they're just these excellent little twilight zone vignette stories and you know revisiting them now i i I have a newfound appreciation for them or or i suppose my my ardor has been uh has been hardened forged in the fires of of the book stabber (laughs) podcast (laughs) that now i have i have a newfound love revisiting them okay part of what i part of why i wanted to come back to these was that I i wanted to revisit something from my youth we've been we've read a few ya books over the course of this podcast you know we just finished the girl who drank the moon by kelly barnhill we read please ignore vera deets when we were vikings which is sort of it's debatable whether or not it's a YA book. I think it's absolutely a YA book, just the way that it is written. Um, it does not really read like adult literature, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there right now. And so I, I have, oh, The Sun is Also the Stars YA, and I haven't really enjoyed any of these YA books very much. You know, at, at best, I found them acceptable. Um, and so I was like, well, it, do I like any YA books? Have I just become... Have I just become immune to the effects of YA because I am no longer a young adult? Uh, and so I wanted to go back to the source of in my childhood of something that I, I loved and appreciated. And also, you know, a lot of these stories are still in my mind and they've just been just clicking around in there for, for decades. And I wanted to I wanted to go home again a little bit. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. And I was surprised. So the two books that we are reading today, one is called Oddballs, which is autobiographical. Uh, nonfiction, and then the other one is called Interstellar Pig, which is a science fiction story of epic proportions. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so so let me give you the pitch for Oddballs that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very very short biography. So, and and I think I think it's kind of for older kids, younger teens. I, I was trying to really figure out who I would recommend this book to. Not many people, but but it's um, it's it's quite funny even though it's written in kind of a deadpan way um i think i th- well there's a i mean it, it's more a book on parenting to me and, and and why to let your kids kind of roam free and what kind of weirdos you're going to get if you do that which if i had read this as an as a young parent i would have totally like left my kid alone more um i think that's i think that is i would not say it's a book about parenting i think that's colored by your experience as a parent but i think that is a really interesting angle on it well well, but but i think i think i I mean like i just don't know how to pitch this to a kid because it's like it's 10 it's organized in 10 chapters there's way more stories than 10 um the thoughts kind of ramble all over the place it seems like the chapters are almost uh just some kind of way to try to organize it even though it's not not incredibly successful it's not unsuccessful either but um i would if i was book talking this book to kids I would tell them two things. I would tell them about uh, William Slater and his sister Vicky in the opening page. This is just the opening page where he discusses the game they used to play on long car trips where they they wrapped themselves up in an old brown blanket and pretended to be BMs, as my grandmother would call them. A word my grandmother would use, BM, bowel movement, piece of shit. They pretended to be pieces of shit. And they would talk about their lives as BMs. 
um, from the time they were food to the time uh, to t- the time they were flushed down the toilet. It sounds like, and his sister Vicky was always obsessed with Queen, Queen Elizabeth. And so she would always start her life as like something like an Oreo cookie in Buckingham Palace, and she would talk about the Queen's lovely digest- digestive tract, and she would flow down into the intestines and into the marble, like like come out into the marble uh, bathroom, the very decorous bathroom in Buckingham Palace. And he always he he kind of pitched himself as being a swirly poo made half of blackberries so that's the purple half and the orange half was some kind of stew some kind of carrot and beef stew uh, and his sister would always claim that that wasn't fair that that wasn't realistic and he would say no it totally was and they would get into these arguments like like i think if you like that story you're gonna like this book um but the parenting bit i would tell is that uh his dad his dad uh <laughs> was he his dad did a couple things that made him cool which we can talk about later but one of the things that made him the cool that was very, very strange to me, and this must have been in the 60s, he would blindfold the kids. Slater had two brothers and one sister. Uh, he was the oldest. And blindfold the kids, drive them around in circles, drop them off in his in their town on a street they didn't know with a dime in case they had to call home. And their job was to find their way home. And if they absolutely could not, they could call home and somebody would come pick them up. And it would take them all day, just get lost. His father was a psychology professor and his mom was a doctor. So if either of those two two bits sounds good to you i think you'd enjoy this book that's how i would pitch it uh i think i think the father was actually a um i think he was more of a chemist than a psychologist was was what i uh when i was doing research on this it seemed like he was in a in a science lab Mm. yeah i don't remember that it could be could be could be i I wrote i wrote psych professor down but uh but I'll, i'll look it up yeah i i i i take issue with um No, so I I think this is a great book. I I love this book. I I told Jean about uh, about this when we picked this. I think I've read this book actually more than any other book because I really don't reread books. But this is one that I have picked up several times in my life. Um, but I hadn't read it in probably over eight years. But th- throughout my teens, this was one that I uh, it not in no small part because I think that you could just find the text online just by googling it. It wasn't that hard to just find the whole. And uh, this is interesting because um, you were talking about the first few pages. But I think depending on what printing you have, the stories are actually in a different order. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I just found one that uh, that opens up on the the pitiful encounter, and I was like, well, that's not that doesn't seem right to me. Hmm. But I take issue with the that like oh, organizationally these stories are difficult for children because I think that I think that's a generational thing. I think if you are familiar with like the works of Beverly Clearly, like if if you have read the Ramona books, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are, are, are we getting into this, or are you going to do the the pitch for uh, Parasite Pig for? Well, I think we should talk. No, or, I think uh, we should talk sorry, about sorry Parasite first. Pig, Interstellar Pig. You think we should talk yeah, about? Let's talk about. Talk about oddballs. Okay. Did right. I did I say did I say parasite pig or did I say interstellar pig earlier? I, I I don't know. I think I said I think I said parasite at one point. I think I, yeah, well, it's clearly I, interstellar. Okay. I, we're gonna we're gonna talk about both of them. Okay. Um, but anyway, so we're no. Let's talk about oddball first, and then we'll do the pitch for uh, interstellar pig later. Well, I I don't I don't mean they're they're poorly organized in, in a in an essay to essay sense, but they just they just meander all over the place. And like, I think it's fine, but they don't, it, it's almost like he starts with a thought and then they kind of go all over the place. It's it's not, it's not a classic essay format. And, and he's not really writing um, I, I don't agree, though. to be I funny. Think, I don't know. I, I think it's, if you've ever read Little House on the Prairie, any of those books, you understand what this format is. It is a, it is a collection of stories that are related by subject, and the subject is William Slater's family and his, and his early life. All of the characters are the same, 
It's his siblings, it's his parents, it's his friends, and, you know, it's all set in the same town. They, they, they are related, they just, and every story has a point to it, which is something that I greatly appreciate, that, like, these are not arbitrary stories, <laughs> they are about something. <sighs> it is, you can tell what they are about, often, you know, by the first page. I think that's I think that's pretty I think that's pretty loose. Like the games the games chapter goes on to talk about a game that he played with their younger brother, okay, and then it talks about like them inventing the word drag, telling them that it's like it's like the worst world word in the world and don't say it. But that's after they've taught him to swear already, right? I know, but like have you read Huckleberry Finn, man? Like No, no, I I, I mean I mean you're comparing you're comparing I mean those are I would say those are novels, right? I mean this is not a novel. Like like it's, I'm just I'm just saying like it, it's I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to say it's not enjoyable. I mean it's so short. You can do almost anything. But but Well, but, I mean it okay, is it long enough to be a novel in the classical sense? I suppose not, but it's one it's for younger readers. Two uh, like like books books don't have to be long books can be 90 pages that's fine well, I just, fact, I, I, i'm not i'm not saying it's i you're very defensive about this book i i'm not i'm not saying it's 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 terrible for that i'm just saying like it's not it's not what i expect from a book of essays no but i but but i'm taking issue with this idea that books have never worked this way before to kill a mockingbird like the first half of that book really does not have a lot to do with the uh, the trial and the you know whether or not yeah, yeah. what's the name who's the name of the man on trial uh you know what i'm yeah, talking yes. about yes <laughs> uh but like th- like the first half of that book is just like kids having adventures and like tur- flipping over turtles and you know yeah mm-hmm. you know checking out boo radley's house and like that's th- that's great literature it's one of the greatest books of the last hundred years like well, well, well it is but 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 that is a novel and 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 so like i just i've never read um i mean i mean i've read i, I i've read i've read non-fiction biographical books that are organized into very short bits like very short anecdotes and and they they just they're they, they feel different from this like this feels like it's halfway between one thing and halfway between another it's not unpleasant Count- it's not unpleasant counterpoint yeah uh little ha- little house on the prairie all of those books are all autobiographical as is a lot of to kill a mockingbird but uh, little house books are novels they're not they're they're, they're autobiographical novels yeah 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 I'm, I'm, you, they, those the, laura, laura ingles wilder is a real person everyone in those stories is real well, i don't know about that they are they, those are those stories existed to preserve her her family history that's a whole thing those are not fiction i'm i'm, I'm not arguing one way or another i i i, it, I, I don't know i don't know. i have not read I'm, those books i'm, I'm actually <laughs> i'm surprised because nothing fantastical ever even happens in those books like they're just very plain jane in that regard that's well, fine uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know Laura Ingalls from the uh, the TV show, you know, which is a which is a terrible thing. But <laughs> but those books I hear have aged I, poorly, and I'm I'm probably not going to ever read them. That's okay. Oh uh, well, I'm curious in what way. I mean, I I've read a few of them over the years for mostly for school projects and uh, both both in grade school and in college. Um, I don't. I mean, they're they're written for a, sort of an early reader level. They they are not Shakespearean by any means. <laughs> um, I think I think they're enjoyable. I don't yeah, think they're um, all great. I mean, I mean, for for me, even like like the essay format is just not. It, it's not something I enjoy very much. I mean, like like I hardly ever read essays that aren't in a magazine, that aren't in, that aren't in, um, you know, a newspaper. Like like I just I just don't. You know, I mean, okay. it, it, it's fine. I, this just struck me like, oh, this, the, the, the format he's using is very strange. It, it's like, it's like very, it felt very unpointed. So I'm curious to, or I was curious to hear you say that uh, everything had a message and a point. And, you know, I, I see that. 
I mean, it but, did. I think I think that's fascinating because I think I think this is I think we're actually hitting the nerve here of the difference between Gene and Willow as readers. I I really do think that there's something here that hmm. this is actually a major point of difference in terms of the things that we we like. Like because I so much of what we've been reading, you know, this is our 16th episode. We've we've had 15 episodes. We're gonna drop one for graphic novels that we both enjoyed so we've read over 14 books because some of those episodes we've read more than one book Mm -hmm. uh we've had 14 episodes where we are talking about these books that are pretty much all books that you have recommended and with with a couple of exceptions i admit um and i found that i find them all so very meandering and they're full of parts that you know are just begging to be cut Mm -hmm. and and, and I, I get to the end of some of these, and I'm like, what, what, what was this book about? This book was nothing. And you're like, no, I loved spending all this time with these people. Yeah. And and so the, to hear you say that, like, the essay format you find kind of pointless. Well, no, no, in, it, in it, it's, it's not that it's pointless. I just, I just feel like, I feel like, um, well, I feel like it doesn't give me the thing that, that fiction gives me. It doesn't, it doesn't set me in a place very well. It, it kind of jumps all over. Um, the characters, I get a sense of them over time. It's kind of it kind of functions like a comic strip in that sense. They're they're it's very episodic. Uh, sure. And, and like like over time, you in the amalgam, you build up an idea of who these people are, right? I mean, and so so, so so in that sense, it's fine. But it 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 happens over over what are in the book kind of a, a series of disconnected events because they're in different chapters and whatnot. And like like that's okay. Like like it's not. It's not horrific or anything, but each of those chapters is a different essay with a different point, as you said. And so it's very strange to me that the characterization is something I put together in my head. It's fine, but it's it's not how I expected this to function. I love stand-up comedy, but I find books by stand-up comics to be very strange. And often I think it's that... No, no, I mean, often I think that it's the, like those books don't have as strong a voice as the books that i really enjoy do i'm just imagining i'm just imagining like bill burr's like i've finally written my murder mystery novel i've been waiting on this for years you know mostly i just get really angry on stage yell at people (laughs) but but i want you to know that the mystery of the uh of the cursed diamond in the in the basement of the LaRouche house, you know, this is uh, this is what my real passion lies. Well, well, I, well, I think strangely, like like one of the books by a stand up that I like the most is uh, Doug Stanhope's book about his mother dying. Like, like it's it, it's it's very strange, but it's 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 like it's very full of of his voice, and I I, I think I probably like it better than I like his. Um, you know, and Burr actually did write a book. He co-wrote a book uh, years ago, and it's terrible. It's not worth even even looking. Oh, at I'm reading. sure. For, I mean, f- for the rec- for the record, all the listeners out there, I hate Bill Burr. I hate him. <laughs> never liked him. Yep, yep. Not not a good comedian, in my opinion. Uh, never never been a fan. So funny, so funny. Like like most of the time. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but but yeah. So so I like like what really what really is the weirdest thing about this book is how. N- just how neutral the voice is. Like, like, like the the stories are very funny, but they're not written to come to a funny point. It's like it's like the funniness is is kind of it's just, it, it's just the it's it's the content and not the way they're set up. So it doesn't they don't work like jokes. Now I am entirely guilty of writing like this myself, right? So this is this is like this is something I do all the time. Um, but but here it just it just felt like because I think maybe it's because it's just the text for me. It doesn't it doesn't flow in a way that I expected it always. So I was just, I was just kind of wrong footed by it. Now I really like this book. 
I, I really, really like this book, and I don't mean to sound I'm like I, I didn't. I didn't like it, but but it, it it defied my expectations in a lot of ways. I think when I read it again, I will like it more because I'm not going to be wrong-footed by it. I'm not going to have these okay. expectations. But but I think that I think that what you're experiencing is you have read this book so many times that you have internalized the way that the stories work and they flow, and that you have created these characterizations over time in your brain. And, and I have not yet. I am coming to this as a new reader who does not read That's this fair. kind of book very much. And 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 it just it, it was it it, it wrong footed me enough that I found it very very uh, strange in moments. But I really I really enjoyed it. And and, and it, you know what I'm going to say if I come across a copy in a used bookstore, I'm I'm buying it. I'm buying it in a heartbeat. Okay. So yeah. I'm really I'm really glad to hear that. But I well I'm just curious though about the the books you read growing up because like. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever read like a Ramona and Beezus book? Uh, I think I I think I must have. Uh, but my Beverly Cleary book was uh, The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Okay. Um, I read a lot of yeah. I mean I mean I I read I read so much stuff when I was you know my yeah. my uh, my grade school librarian I still know her. <laughs> you read a you read a Judy Bloom or two right? I read all the Judy Bloom. Um, okay. Yeah, but I don't you know, I don't, do, I don't do remember you think all there's of them a... very much. Do you think there's a similarity here in the in the writing style a little bit? Uh, no, I don't. I, no, I, I don't. Well, well, not not in this book because this book doesn't function as a novel for me. Like like like, but I think I think that like uh like what used to be that children's style, Judy Bloom style, like Beverly Cleary. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean William Slater for that matter. Like I don't know. Like I remember like the Matthew Looney books. Uh, I can't remember the the writer's name for those. Like the an, another one of my favorites that I remember was uh, Jacob Tutu meets the Hooded Fang. By Mordecai Richler, uh, like 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 I, like. like he, I'm sorry for for my benefit and the audience at home. Jacob Tutu, what? J- Jacob Tutu meets the Hooded Fang. You've never read any of the Jacob Tutu books? No, but based on that title and the author's name, I I must. Oh, he, now. he was a fa- he was a famous adult uh, adult novelist, I believe, and um, he wrote uh, several books for kids. And uh, Jacob Tutu meets the Hooded Fang is just one of those books that I remember from my childhood that was so so weird or like uh what's another one that i remember the wicked pigeon ladies in the garden very strange and i read i read sounds great i read all these ew hildick mysteries which i think have like they just have a like 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 they don't have a strong narrative voice they're just very straightforward right and and they're kind of i think what um i don't know i i I think i feel like i feel like a lot of uh the chapter books i enjoy these days are kind of getting away from that i don't know if that's me or or the market or somebody else but I, it's it's a rare chapter book i enjoy anyway so and this is not a chapter book this is this is i i don't know who this is written for because i can't imagine like a third grader reading this i can't imagine a sixth grader reading it i can't imagine a ninth grader reading this which is why i think this is a book for adults to enjoy because it's it's just so weird it's so weird but which is not to say that that kids that age you wouldn't find some who like this I think you would find people yeah. in every age group. Age group who, but I um, mean, I'm pretty sure I was. I'm. I was probably in sixth grade when I read this, and I and I enjoyed it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because this was not the first William. You know, when I was a kid, I had a much like Willow today. I had a hard time finding books that I enjoyed. So when I did. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. So when I did find a book that I enjoyed, I looked up the author and I looked up everything they ever wrote and I would try to read their catalog Yeah. because it was the only sign I had. It was the only way to find more good books, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I when I first read the boxes in fifth grade, I said, oh, this is cool. 
uh, I wonder uh, I wonder what else this guy's got and mm-hmm. I found out there was a sequel and I found oddballs and I found all these other books and I just kept reading and reading them for the next like four years because there were so many oh, I mean there's so much to love in this book there's there's so much to love like how his house is kind of not incredibly clean it's clearly not his parents priority right his friend comes over and hangs out there and then his mom is horrified when she finally comes out and meets his mom and like like yeah. but but like, like like for me like what's his friend's name Frank? And and when he, he describes Frank's house as a place where all the furniture is covered in plastic, like yes, <laughs> like oh that's yeah I remember that house that was my grandmother's house right, it's like it's kind of terrible at least until I talked to her about it yeah uh, the, you know the thing the thing that really um, changed for me about this reading though is that like understanding that this does take place in the sixties and now I have such a better idea of what what living in the 60s must have been like that because because i feel like there is kind of a timeless quality to this book at least uh pre-internet uh pre-game boys uh <laughs> that you know that you can picture these kids doing a lot of this stuff and, and like if if you had grown up in the 90s you could you and you didn't know how old william slater was you didn't have any other clues to go by you could probably believe that this took place in the 90s or the 70s but uh, but those... now i have a much Go ahead. I was gonna say no. There's no way. There's just no video games. There's like there's no TV in this in this book, right? I mean, like like all these all these things that uh, feel like they become more central. There's no mo- there's no talk of movies. And very interestingly, there's there's really no talk of books either, right? Well, but to be fair, children in the '60s watched television and movies too. That's just not germane to the stories at hand. I I, I understand. I, I understand. But but I mean, like okay. like, like a, a dime for the phone, like sets it very clearly in time. Um, F- fair enough. That's you know that's a reference that to me is uh, was lost on me. So fair enough. And and actually, I think the you know. Uh, that story you told, I think the version that I just read, um, based on my my local electronic copy from my local library, uh, I don't think it had that part in it at all. So I I think that depending on what edition, what printing you have, it is really radically different in terms of the editing. It didn't have it didn't have what part? The part with a dime. It didn't have the part where the dad dropped them off in the middle of town somewhere at a random location. Weird. I, that is weird. I'm I'm actually re- like because uh. I I don't know if I remember that from previous readings or not. He, now here's here's the thing. Every time I've I read this, I only have a vague memory of what it is about. Like I remember the seance scene a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, the younger brother getting hypnotized. I I remember I remember little bits, but none of it is. It is not crystal clear in my memory when I when I come back to it, which is part of why I enjoy rereading it. Is because it is, uh, it is fun every time well, to to be reminded of who these people are. So, so, so the the seance chapter, like like, is, is is so strange in my memory. Like it it starts with um talking about a sand pile in their backyard and how much fun they had with the sand pile and like this big drum full of water that they would skate around and swim in or whatever. Um, but the sand pile is there. And then like the dad's, I think the, I think it's the dad's boss that comes over for dinner and the dad's boss's wife is like, Oh, look at that sand pile. It's so lovely. Your kids have sand to play. And, and like his, his sister goes oh, like, it's, it's not a sand pile. It's a, it's a shit pit. Like that's in the book. Like what? It's a shit pit. And then he goes on to talk about Halloween parties and how they told ghost stories, and then how one year when he was like in ninth grade, so it goes from like a little kid to ninth grade, and then he's suddenly like talking about he made all these like uh, 
jokes about his friends pretended to be telling the future and and talked about how his friend nicole who was really smart was going to end up doing like a life of manual labor and then that's what she did and now she's she's like even though she was an atheist then she's a nun now and she's the happiest person he's ever known even though she lives this life of kind of squalor to help the poor like as as part of this order of nuns who live with the poor right. and help the poor like it, it, it's it, it's such a crazy structure for an essay i'm not saying it doesn't work <laughs> it's just so weird it's so weird I mean, off, off the top of my head, it kind of reminds me of who's that cartoonist? I can never remember his name. He, he he makes those graphic novels that are like hyper intricate, and the text is tiny, and I mean, the, there's like a million panels per page. Chris Ware. Yeah, like did, remember that Chris Hare, uh, Chris Ware comic he did where it was it was like a house that you had to build. It was crazy. Yes, yeah, building stories. Yeah, like I feel like the story is in that case the theme is about like literally like the location in the backyard, right? That like became then how it evolved over time and and their relationship to it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, that that's interesting. That's good, but it's like it's not. It's not like obvious from that essay i mean which is it's just it's just such a strange structure the way he well i think it's i mean i think it is kind of based on william slater's memory like it it, it kind of follows the structure of like oh let me tell you this, this story about my sister and the time she broke her leg oh yeah and we, where she broke her leg that was this crazy part of our house like it used to be stairs and then it stopped being stairs at one point and we had to go up a ladder for like five years and uh speaking of ladders did i ever tell you about my friend samantha who uh, became a ladder builder like no i, I think I, I think it's on the other hand i think it's great because as you know i've been struggling to write about my own life anyway right and like this is oh yeah and like i'm very random about it and like oh this is this is interesting it's an interesting uh lack of structure and an interesting structure somewhere in the back of it like i i, I admire this as much as i'm wrong-footed by it but but it's it's weird <laughs> but I, I was, so the dad there's a chapter called dad's cool in the version i have where, where yeah. there's three things that were cool about dad that i wrote down there might be more other other cool things and like the, so the first one is at the beginning of the chapter he asks vicky uh would you like me to show you a dead body sometime? <laughs> right. Okay. And then... Which, which, to, hey, hold on, though. If he was a psychologist, I don't think he'd have access to a dead body. Well, if he was a chemist, he wouldn't either. So I think, you know, but he would, act, he, could, he would if he was a psychologist, he might, because he, he could be doing like neurochemistry or something. Could be, could be in there. I don't know. Uh, so uh, the second story in there that I noted is that uh, they go camping with another family who brings chicken. And when, when the dad starts eating the chicken, everybody's eating the chicken. And the dad goes, oh, look at this. And there's like a grub in the chicken, like a maggot. Yes. And then, yes. And then the dad just keeps eating the chicken. And everybody else is like put off. And he's like, more for me. And just keeps just keeps chowing it down, right? And then the third cool thing about dad is that he drops them off blindfolded in the city with a dime. Okay. Oh, here it is. Uh, that uh, I'm, I, I have a copy of it open here. And it, under dad's cool, uh, Vicky and I loved going to his lab, a dreary old building at the medical school. He does have a laboratory that he works in. So psych. So. Oh, and and uh, and I have to I have to tell you. So, so my favorite my my favorite probably uh, anecdote besides the BM story. So this is my second favorite. Is also yeah. in the dad's cool chapter where where it just sticks out like a sore thumb. I think it's right at the end, and it's 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 a pretty good laugh where it's about how uh, William Slater got into Harvard, where he went to school. Yes. Which is that uh, the dean of admissions from Harvard came to I think his high school to interview kids. And uh, William Slater told him he had just done an interview with the guy from Yale, but only because uh, he had wanted to get out of gym class. And the guy from Harvard thought that was so funny, he let him in. <laughs> like, 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 which is a great story, but it's not told like that. It's not even told that, that straightforwardly. Right. So it's just, it's just I, very strange. I just want to point out that I'm going insane right now because I'm looking at a copy of Oddballs, but it's not the one that I just read. And there's a little chapter here called The Magic Chalk that I, now that I'm seeing it, I remember... 
I remember more clearly, but in the one that I just read, this chapter wasn't even in it. There's a chapter called The Magic Chalk? Yeah, my book doesn't have See, see, like, so I, I'm mad because I really enjoyed this book and I've read it so many times, but depending on which version you have, uh, there's just whole chapters missing. Well, and, and that's crazy. Well, it, it's not surprising to me because I can see that at different times and in different places, what I read is going to be considered very inappropriate for a kid's library or like a, a middle school library where this is going to find like a home because you're going to have like, 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 middle schoolers and grade schoolers who are looking for a book on their favorite author for a project for school, right? We used to have those those reference books called Something About the Author in the in the library. And you would you would find an essay on your favorite author often with a place you could write them a letter if you wanted to, but just just like an interview or like a little biographical information. And if you're if the author you had actually had a book, you were set like if you like that person because then you could actually read the book and do a paper, right? So so sure. this would be yeah. a, this would be great to find for that. But there's so much in here that's so it's so over a kid's head, a little kid's head. And, and there's some stuff that's just inappropriate, right? Like, like according to some parents. I mean, I, I would give this to any kid, but I can see that people would, uh, would object. So well, I, now I, I, I mean, I feel bad about recommending this book to people because I, I mean, any version you get is going to be good. But like, I want the, I want the complete version. I want the, the unedited <laughs> oddballs now. Well, I think that there was a version that was published fairly recently looking. Yeah, but what are the odds that that one is less edited well i i think i think like any any kind of modern version like in an electronic format would would be less edited. yeah it's open road media so but i but see the but the one that i had just read was an ebook from my local library and that one was missing the magic chalk and i think a couple other stories that i'm seeing now Weird. the the one here the one that i'm looking at right now because i just wanted to refresh myself for this podcast mm-hmm. uh i googled oddballs william slater and uh it came up. Uh, it it is under some uh, edu address as a um, as a PDF, and this one seems to have more stuff in it than than the one I read. So, hmm. uh, not to not to promote piracy, but you know, do what you got to do, folks. <laughs> well, it was originally published in ninety. So yeah. Oh, this one is uh, copyrighted ninety one at the beginning. Hmm. Isn't that isn't that funny? Well, to investigate, if, if you're if you're a librarian listening to this, uh, let us know if you if your library has uh, an older copyright, and we could maybe exchange lists of chapters from the from the editions that we have. So that'd be great. I, I have se- I have seen a couple of different uh, covers to the book. There's one that's got like a really cool kind of dreamy, almost Dave McKean style cover to it. Hmm. Never seen that. I think the one that I just got that was an ebook was pretty pretty boring uh, cover wise. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, have we have we exhausted oddballs? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a huge spoiler there, but uh... but uh, yeah, not not really. But uh, it sounds like we are we are both recommending this book. We are both enjoyed it, although we disagree about the the format a little bit. And and you know, I I will certainly see that for me there is revisiting this book and being that I have read it many times, I have a different relationship to it than than someone coming to it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I think that is I think that is key to your understanding of this. So. Uh so let's let's dive into the next book oh uh, which God. we probably said different wrongly earlier. The book is called Interstellar Pig by William Slater. It did have a sequel that came out I think like a full decade later, maybe maybe even two decades later called Parasite Pig. Mhm. 
and and I I reread both for the purpose because after re after reading Interstellar Pig again, I wanted to reread Parasite Pig. Uh, so the pitch for Interstellar Pig is that our protagonist is a is a teenager named Barney who is on a vacation on a on a beach in the in, in somewhere in New England on I. I I, I don't think it's well described, but we can kind of assume it's sort of a rocky beach in a cabin. There's a couple of cabins for rent. He is on vacation with his parents. He's a single child. That's not how... Is that is that the correct term? Single child? He's a single child. He's, he's an, an only, only child. He's a, he's an only child. He, he is not dating anyone as far as we know either. So he is also single. Uh, but he is an only child. Uh, he's got two parents. It, we, we hit the ground running... Because we learn from the guy renting the cabin that uh, there's sort of a sordid history of uh, ship's captains and and strange uh, bloody history between the people who, who for whom these cabins were originally built. Uh, there's sort of tales of piracy and of keel hauling and these, these uh, interesting historical events. Uh, and then very shortly we meet the people renting the next cabin who very badly wanted to rent the 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 cabin that Barney and his parents are currently residing in and they seem to be three young very attractive accented worldly people named uh Manny Joe and uh it starts with a z um z- z- Zena it's it's something like that name that starts with a z you're like that doesn't sound like a real name no no i, I i've known people named Zena before you never know people named Okay, they, sure. All right. So so Manny, Joe, and Zena, And they immediately, both Barney and his parents are kind of fascinated with them. And they're clearly fascinated. They clearly wanted to rent the, the cabin that Barney is in. Um, and so there's they, they keep interacting over and over. And th- there's just something strange about these folks. For, if you look at the cover of the book, depending on which printing you have, you might make a couple guesses as to what is weird about them. But uh, most notably... They are hyper attractive. They seem a little too young to have the kind of money and resources that they have. And uh, they, they speak with such strange affectations and they're constantly using words from German and French uh, that, that, that all language seems to uh, be mixed for them. So they seem highly cosmopolitan. Um, but they're they're incredibly friendly. They are obsessed with not only the cabin that Barney's staying in, but they're also obsessed with this board game. They won't stop talking about this board game that they play. They they want to play it all the time. It seems the board game itself is called Interstellar Pig. Finally, they let uh, they let Barney in on a game. Uh, Xena teaches teaches it to Barney alone, and then they they have a game together. And Interstellar Pig is a board game in which you play as different aliens across the universe who are fighting over a a little relic known as the Piggy, uh, which is described as a creepy, one-eyed, pink sphere <laughs> creature uh, that has sort of an unnerving smile. It doesn't have a lot of of details to it, other than that. Uh, and and in the board game, you get equipped with all <coughs> kinds of stuff like uh, equipment to breathe in different atmospheres, weapons, neural whips and lasers, uh, various uh, bacteria and, and <coughs> uh, immunities to poisons and things. And so Barney's immediately like sucked into this game, and he can see why it is so addictive. Uh, and of course, uh, it, 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 astute readers will tell that something strange is going on here. That uh, this is still your book talk. This is very long. I'm sorry. I'm not a professional librarian. Or even an, I'm not even an amateur librarian. I don't. I think you are I'm, an amateur librarian. 
I don't have a library. Anyway, <laughs> fi- well, look, if you want to wrap it up for me, no, if no. that sounds interesting to you, if that sounds interesting to you, please go grab a copy of Interstellar Pig by William Slater, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> well, no, I was, so so I, I, I wondered about the pitch for this book, but my question to you about the pitch for the book is, is it is it okay to say in the pitch that this, this kid ends up playing this game that becomes real? Because that's what I remember from the physical book. I don't think I don't think there's a way to pick up this book and not know that ahead of time. I think everything about this book telegraphs that like it is it, I don't think it's really a twist. I think it's possible to pick it up and not know exactly what's going on, but even like the first time that they play the board game, it's obvious that this is more than just a board game, right? Because it is described so vividly and And the rules are so clear- strange, right? Yeah, and there's clearly some shenanigans happening where, like, the board game itself is must be highly technologically advanced more than cardboard. Like, it's funny because I recently watched um, the original Jumanji, Mm -hmm. and it and it's funny that I'm thinking about how um, in in the movie Jumanji where they set up the board game and they immediately notice that the pieces are moving on their own. There's they're simultaneously like, oh, this board game must have a computer chip in it. It must have magnets in it. (laughs) Oh, really? I don't feel like there's. There's, I think, like, because they, their first thought can't be, oh, it's a magical board game. I think there's a similar thing at work here where, where Barney is mesmerized by this board game that he's not acknowledging that, like, it must also, like, have some kind of hologram or something that's beaming into his brain. Like, that, it isn't properly addressed, but by the end of the book, you're like, well, that would make sense, considering that right. ev- all of these strange neighbors are actually monstrous aliens. Well, well I, all I remember when I was a kid, the reason I picked this up was, like, like the cover promised me that it was a kid who was playing a board game and then he finds out the people he's playing with are aliens and that the game is real and that the earth could be destroyed right like that's enough for me like 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 as a as a book talk i was like yeah that's like like everything else is almost like it's almost part of the criticism or what you loved about it to me i mean i i don't know i I don't why did you pick it up when you were a kid why did i pick well i I was already looking for William Slater books, so I don't know at what point I read this in my mm-hmm. mining of his catalog, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it definitely has an interesting title. I've, I've been telling many of my friends, like, oh, yeah, I'm rereading this book called Interstellar Pig, and they're like, what? <laughs> like, what is this book? Um, it has a cool cover. I still have my original copy oh, from when I was a kid. Excellent. Yeah, now... I looked it up because you were telling me about a cover, and I think I found the one that you have where the aliens are kind of these chess pieces. Yes, uh-huh. That's the one, So, well, which that, is a that, very that, cool cover. I, that, oh, that, that, that's the one I read when I was... Yeah, I, which I was surprised to hear that you had read this one because I, I always thought this author must have been kind of obscure um, compared to other YA authors, but, like, this book was written no. in the 80s. Uh, and so it's how old were you, would you, were you when you read this? Oh, I think I was. I think I think I read it when it came out. I think I was probably fourteen or fifteen. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, That's... I could I could have read it a little bit after that, like maybe sixteen or seventeen, it, only because I haunted the library, right? And I I think it's the kind of thing like our uh, high school librarian would have bought for just for the collection. So I think I probably picked it up. Um, I, uh, listeners to the podcast will might remember that at the end of our last episode, I was I was talking about starting this book and being like, oh, the opening chapter, this this might suck actually revisiting this. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think the opening chapter is a little hard because it just drops you right into the middle of it of like, here is 
the guy renting the cabin telling the story of the of the old timey sea captain and the and the crazy history of this and like it is not if it were written today there would be so much stuff around that to kind of soften that exposition um there would be so much like barney drank some orange juice and and sighed about his ennui like that's because that's how I feel like every book is written nowadays. Well, see, see, I think um, I think if it was written today, it would open with him being being chased by the alien creatures, and then it would be like the rest of it would be like a flashback. Do, do, do you know what I mean? To catch up, because like opening it where it does, it's it's so boring. It's 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 like the worst possible place. That's possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, there'd be a freeze frame of like, I bet you're wondering how I got here, being chased by a, right. a clawed a flying ox, <laughs> right, a, a gas bag. So I think the opening chapter. Is, is a little awkward in that way, but I will say I love this book. I loved rereading it. I it, it was honestly kind of a page turner for me, even having read it. I love the way the aliens are written. I love their dialogue. I love how weird they are and how you're like, you're, you're constantly trying to poke around in what they're saying and like, well, wait, what, how is this happening? What, like, why do they know these things? Why do they like mayonnaise? Like, what is the I think it's, relation? I think, I think it's so close to being a kid's book and not a teen book. Um, like, like, there's very little that makes it a teen book, other than the fact that Barney is like 16. To me, like, this is kind of yeah. that, that proto YA. Like, 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 the things that make it a teen book are that the neighbors next door are like the the people who turn out to be aliens are like these very awkward 20-somethings who look like models. And the mom is very clearly kind of horny for the for the two guys. There's two guys and a woman, and the, yeah. the mom's always trying to figure out what their relationship is and kind of what they're up to. And she's always wor- oh, yeah. worried that Barney is, like, you know, kind of in their way and imposing himself. But they seem interested well, in Barney, right? It's very strange. One of, the thing, one of the things that I really like is that the detail that uh, every time that Barney and the parents talk about the neighbors, it's obvious that the parents perceive the neighbors differently like they actually perceive them as being older the parents are convinced that they must be some kind of professors or doctors that uh Uh, yeah that and and barney's like but they're college age and the parents are like yeah that's uh that's cute barney oh that's interesting that that they actually perceive them differently because this is like a hologram that is based on what you want to see Hmm. i i think that's such a cool detail i love like it is the correct amount It, it is on the exact level between subtle and obvious where like it, it strikes that balance for me of like it is not there, there isn't a paragraph where it's like Bar- and that's when barney realized like oh of course i saw them as college students because i love college students. like that 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 bit of exposition is not there well and, and in that way maybe this book is like a little it, it's ahead of its time in being very very smart for the age it's written for or that it's going to appeal to right. but but it, it's like one it, of the <laughs> there, there's some really strange things like Oh, I, I mean, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, like, so the, I mean, like, the woman Zena is described as being very attractive. She's like, ha- has a spectacular figure. She's wearing a halter top, denim cutoffs. Yeah. Like, and, and, and like, the, the, the initial clue that something weird is going on is their language, right? Which you kind of uh, alluded yes. to a minute ago. She says, uh, we were expiring, cars were expiring all around us. And, and yeah. this is when she's meeting the when she's being shown the place they stayed. A nice domain you got here, Ted. A prime piece yes. of domain, right? It's very, it's very weird. And you, I love I love that though because that that's a great that's a little piece of world building right there. But like before the term world building was a thing, I love that because it's fine. What it t- well, what it tells you is that these aliens to them all this language is like they they don't understand how people actually speak because they had to learn it through like an encyclopedia right 
they needed a reference guide to learn the language and so for them all words are the same like that when they when they use french and german it's because that like that might as well be english to them they don't really know the difference or care well i mean i mean like like yeah yeah i mean it, it, it's fine it goes on for a while i mean like and, and i think the other things like, like there's a creepiness that's early in the book um, yeah they're they're in, they're in captain latham's house uh it's supposed to be haunted maybe he had his well the the house is full of um the guy who was in prison there was the captain's brother like scratched at all of the wooden walls and so like you know that a man died here presumably like in a horrific manner well it's not just the house it, it, it's barney's room he was locked in barney's yes. room for 20 years <laughs> like like yes. hey kid and here's your here's your room with all these scratches went, all right. over the windows uh, I love that detail though. That's I I think that is I think that's great storytelling. It's like yeah, it is dark, but it, it is sort of historical. That's it's, fine. Uh, and it it I like the way that it wraps into the story. Like it it actually does matter. These aliens are invested in the lives of these well, I mean, I mean, old ancient sailors. And, and and the the aliens the 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 twenty somethings, the doctors, whatever they're perceived as, like they uh, very clearly wanted to have rented the house that Barney and his family are right. Like like that yes, that's the main thing. Absolutely. So there's kind of a push for them to get to know him. It's very clear they're lying when they get to know him. They come over and say they need kindling i can't remember what they call it they they say something very strange he takes right. he takes kindling to their house and he sees the board and and that's kind of the inter- introduction to the weird board and they're playing a game at that point and he can't play but it's uh xena manny and joe uh and then like i can't like th- there's something about him getting barney getting sunburned barney's a terrible name for this character too barney it's so it's so <laughs> awful it feels realistic it's so terrible but um, right well so xena purposefully sunburns barney right in kind of a in a kind of a coy manipulative way Mm -hmm. because because she uh, on a on some level recognizes that like that his interest in them and his relationship to the information like the the cabin like that he poses some enough of a threat just enough to be a nuisance and so specifically forces him to to play this game with her to spend time with her uh, in such a position that he will get a sunburn, which he sunburns easily. But I, here's the thing: I, this is the kind of stuff that I love. I I don't care what Barney's favorite flavor of ice cream is. I don't care that he wants to grow <laughs> up to be a veterinarian. That's the kind of information that authors today really friggin' want you to know. And it doesn't matter. What matters in this story is that Barney is actually really capable. And even though he has some awful, awful sunburn that makes his entire body sick, he cons his way into joining the friggin' aliens, like on their trip to this distant, to this island that's like well, he does- 300 feet, 500 feet out onto, you know, onto this little island where he gets the piggy where he gets it before they do no no but no but this is no, no but, but it's so much weirder than that it's so much weirder than that because like i mean barney's clearly attracted to xena right right yes and then there, absolutely and she and she knows it right 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 and then there's clearly like like i i felt like there was nobody else there like they were almost on a deserted place but then i was rereading it and i was like no there is a place where he talks about the other people on the beach like the old people and he talks about these old ladies uh, sitting in deck chairs, and he described he describes their withered pink flesh drooping out of their ruffled suits. <laughs> like it's so gross. I uh, I admit I don't remember but, where this ha- where this is in the book. Well, well, it's it's like it's like this weird part. It's before he gets sunburned, but it's like. He talks about kids and adolescents, but there's nobody his age is the point he makes. And then he talks about his, yeah. his mom goes off to, to sunbathe, and his mom says, about his mom, he says, her comparative pallor giving her the look of a greased corpse. That's how he describes his own mother. <laughs> it's, it's kind of gross. And then, like, like, he reads a lot, reads on the porch. Um, 
but but like so he's gone to their house once and then when his parents are gone at the beach they come over and they ask to see the house when his parents are specifically gone because he's sitting there reading and they go through yeah. they go through the whole of his house like they search every cupboard every closet yeah. they're clearly looking for something um, and then he kind of hurries them out as his parents are coming home because he realizes he might be in trouble if they're there too and then when they're gone he goes to their place and goes through everything and this is like the horniest part of the book to me he <laughs> He goes through Zena's. Do you remember this part? He goes through her lingerie drawer. And he, well, yeah. Well, I don't remember. Well, he talks. He talks about her. He talks about her lace lingerie and how it's how it smells of her perfume. He specifically talks about the smell of her lingerie. And in her lingerie drawer is where he finds the photocopied parts of the um, the captain's diary that talks about his brother, right. the one who the well, guy who died. I think. I think we're meant to understand that he was looking for something like clearly these people are suspicious and he's looking for something that will tell him about them. And that's that it, it doesn't say. And then I stole a bunch of her underwear to sniff on my but own. He, no, he didn't steal he, the sniff. He sniffed them and then he falls asleep on her bed or he reads those pages on her bed and he has a description of the bed. It's very strange. It's it's I don't think I, I, th- I think we might be remembering these events a little differently. <laughs> I don't I don't I I don't remember him falling asleep there. I don't think that. Well, 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 well but he, he's he's there reading the pages for a minute, and then he um, he takes the pages with him when they suddenly come to, home. He crams them in his hand. To be f- now, whether pocket. or not you're supportive of uh, this this 16 year old protagonist rifling through anyone's belongings, I don't think it's Barney's fault that uh, Zena has uh, perfumed lingerie. I think that <laughs> is. I, I, if, 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 I think if anyone's to blame for that, it's Xena, that, which is a detail that, well, you know. Well, Xena, who is a spider, has perfumed yes. lingerie. How weird is it to have a spider with perfumed lingerie? I just want to say. She, well, she, but because she's a master of espionage and she knows that this could be useful later. It's not because she wants to bang a bunch uh, of apes. Well, 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 the, it's well, because... well I, I understand. I mean, I, I, yeah, well, then, then they catch him there in the house. And and then he kind of uses it to get himself invited to play the game, which he does later on. I think that evening, probably, right? Right. And it's bizarre. Well, that's the thing. Well, they're on to each other in certain amounts, which I appreciate. But like, they also know that each other's party is useful to the other. Uh, so so they're they're playing this whole game, you know, of cat and mouse. Up to up to the point where they just start actually trying to kill each other. Well, he's not onto them uh, until until like three fifths of the way through the book. I mean, it's like it, the last the last fifth of the book is almost them trying to kill him, right? Well, but he knows he knows something is wrong. He knows that they want something. He knows that they want that cabin very badly. He puts the clues together that the the fingernail marks inside his room point to the island. He knows the island is important. He knows they want to get to it. He knows that if they get to it without him, that he's going to be unable to unravel this mystery right there after something and there and there's some there's some clue in the diary that he's reading before he goes to the island with them uh about uh like the captain's brother saw a three-eyed creature with a with greenish hide with a slug in his mouth right which becomes very important right and 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 he gets to the island and he gets the thing they were looking for and he knows and he finds out when he gets home that it's the piggy and so like he knows something is up he but of course like anyone his reaction is well, okay, how how am I supposed to interpret these events that like this thing from a board game is real? Like it doesn't make se- it doesn't make literal sense. Well, and, um, and, 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 and I like I like the build up. The, the build up part of the build up is that every time they play the game they get the same they get the same species. Xena is always right. Zulma, which is an arachnoid 
creature. Yes. Uh, what's his, what's the other guy's name? Um, uh, Manny is Moina, who actually, uh, it's funny because Manny uses he, him pronouns, but Moina uses she, her pronouns. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Which I think is interesting. Um, and Joe is Drolb, which is like J-R-L-B, who is like a swordfish man. Right. Well, water breathing gill man or something, right? There, there's a lot of there's a lot of great nerd stuff going on here because like all of these creatures have like statistics represented. Like they have an intelligence rating that has a whole set of rules around it. Right. Which so cuz like you and I are both are big board game geeks uh sponsored by boardgamegeek.com. And and so like you texted me at one point like why isn't this a real game? Cuz I presumed you were like I want to play it. Why well, I just can't believe nobody's nobody's made it. Yet. I mean, it's so strange, well, right? Well, as we discovered, some people have m- made attempts, but I'm sure they're not very good. Well, they, well, they, they've written the rules down as if it is a board game, which which is the rules are right. so nonsensical. It's it's uh, it's crazy. Well, they it's I mean, it's basically impossible because you kind of need like an actual computer to you you could you could draft a uh, a custom set of t- of tabletop RPG rules, you know, and dice rolls to to simulate all of the combat going on here, but like. The, the piggy itself is sort of requires a computer uh, timer aspect. Right, right. What, 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 what I like is like like he's the first time he plays he's he's laup. He's that sentient reptile with the slug in his mouth, right? Yes. And he doesn't put it together yet, but we do. That that's the moment where we're like, oh, we now we know what's going on. We're we're sure what's yeah. going on now. Um, if you didn't read the back of the book, um, and then and then like the rules are crazy and the way the game is played is crazy and then. He he goes home after that game and he opens the box and he sees the piggy um, and he's like oh wait like like that creature I was just playing matches the cap the captain's uh, brother's description oh my god yeah. is this real like are they are they aliens whatever and then it's like his parents go to dinner uh, they all start trying to bribe him with kind of magical futuristic stuff uh, right and, and all all things that are actually uh, technology within the within the board game and then my favorite part when he sits down to play the game there's a new planet on the board earth and he draws the yeah. human card and uh the piggy kind of starts talking to him a little bit right it's very strange yeah um i i love all that stuff that it's <sighs> i love everything about this book except the end i just thought the end was so weak uh, oh i think the end is great really what i mean yes. I, I mean like i like the jeopardy i liked him having to outsmart them i like the nonsensicalness of the way he outsmarts them but it's fine within the con- it's it's very consistent within the, the structure of the book but but why do you like the end like like i want you to tell me what happens at the end and then why you like it okay so much of the ending is dependent on barney it has one of the cards that this is one of the things that's never properly explained you just kind of have to buy into it which i admit is is a weak point of the novel that like that that the board game has rules that somehow flow into real life that like you are randomly assigned technology that assists you that it's not clear how uh, but like the the piggy is clearly some kind of sentient magical being, and so you just kind of have to buy into like Star Trek rules that like sometimes the gamesters of Triskelion just control your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so Barney gets assigned a weapon that is a neural whip, which isn't that important. I think he loses it pretty quickly. But the other thing he gets is a special uh, immunity pill that makes him immune to certain diseases and effects. And so he takes this pill and then one of the alien monsters that comes in uh, because other other alien species are, are part of this that are not Zolma. What's the octopus's name? Uh, uh, Moina. 
Moina and Droll, but these carnivorous lichen, lichen uh, join the fray, and so they are just this pink slime of this living, crawling fungus that is just eating everything. It can eat all organic matter, and presumably a lot of inorganic matter as well. And so they are a huge threat to everyone. They are they have very little intelligence. They have a hive mind because they're all these large, single-celled creatures. But Barney is immune to them because of this pill that he took. It actually makes his his skin is like poison to them. Mm-hmm. He is able. He he has a strategic advantage. And so he's talking to the piggy. He has a telepathic link to the piggy that is activated now at this time. And he's talking to the piggy and he's realizing that the, the something about this whole story doesn't add up. That all of these alien species, they, they are questing after the piggy because according to the board game... If you don't have the piggy when the game ends, you're all every planet explodes except for your home planet. At least every planet involved in the game. Hmm. And so the spider lady wants it because she wants her home planet to still be there. Uh, you know, the fish man's planet, Earth, those will be destroyed. She doesn't care about those. It's do or die. So the stakes are huge. But Barney figures out that, like, well, if that were true, there would be a lot of blown up planets already, wouldn't there? Like, unless this is the first game that's ever been played. It does. That, that doesn't quite up, add up. So he's talking to the piggy and, and the piggy tells him that he's like, oh, well, actually, the opposite is true. But I, I lied because I, I don't want to be alone. I, but if you do have me at a certain point within like the next 30 minutes uh, I will explode such and it will destroy your entire planet mm. and so Barney's like okay well now I want to get rid of the piggy this is so it's kind of a game of hot potato as he figures it but he po- figures out something that no one else has figured out which you know is questionable based on the intelligence of these aliens in the game that it's it's weird that the human teenager figures it out first but he has more exposure to the piggy than the other characters as well but he he figures based on the information that he gets between the piggy and also telepathically communicating with the lichen which is a thing that happens when he turns into a light lichen with a with another thing which it's it i admit it's a little convoluted um but i i was never lost he figures that the piggy is just lying to everyone that probably nothing happens and what the piggy actually wants is to just be a space tourist because it's sort of this immortal computer that is constantly observing and just wants someone to be in possession of it for a while until it gets bored and then it and then it will find a way to get to someone else it just wants to have friends basically but it does so in a manipulative cruel way as an immortal artifact might so barney figures out that the best possible thing to happen that he doesn't get murdered is to get the get the lichen to walk away with the piggy from earth and get them off this planet as soon as possible so he ultimately uh he turns into a lichen using this the, basically the same technology that all the other aliens have been using to impersonate humans this entire time, which like your body exists somewhere, but you are you are still one of these creatures. So it explains why right, right. this this 10 foot tall spider can become a sexy 20 year old. Right. <laughs> It's it's very powerful technology. It's Star Trek rules, willing suspension of disbelief. So he gets the the lichen to get the piggy. The other aliens can't really get it from the lichen without themselves dying because the lichen is so incredibly deadly just by touching it, by being near it. So he manages to get them off his planet because he knows that they want the piggy more than they want to kill him. And so the ending of the story is that all of their spaceships leave Earth. The lichen is in the lead. They are they are traveling off through space with the piggy. Moina uh Drobe and Z- Zelma they are trailing behind I mean that is where the book ends is is that to to all of the all of the aliens 
intelligences, they believe that the, the, the Lichen is winning. Barney knows that nobody is winning, that the, that this is a, a fool's game. To quote war games, the only way to win is not to play. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, does, uh, did, uh, did that answer your question? Are you satisfied with that explanation? Uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's such a strange ending because because he's he's kind of granted more intelligence than everybody else in the story in a way that I find unrealistic. Although, you know, as a, as a teen book, it's fine. Like you're supposed to be yeah. outsmart everybody. So it's not the right. worst thing about it. it. It's, it's not a terrible ending, but it's not, it's not a great end. Does it set up a sequel? Kind of. I mean, I guess it's better than that. What, what well, it, it, it does. It does literally send up a sequel in that there is a sequel, uh, which I, I, I would like to talk about a little bit just because. Sure. I'd, I, I'd, so I'd, I'd love to hear about it. Cause I, I'm not going to reroll. So, well, so yeah, so I've, I read the sequel and the, the short review is that it's not as good as the first one. I, in terms of its actual writing quality, it is not as well written. Like the language is worse. The dialogue is more obvious. The, it, it is more contemporary YA, in my opinion. Like it, re- it reads a little more goosebumpsy than Interstellar Pig did. But the plot is so weird and interesting that it's, I think it's worth reading anyway. And you could tell that William Slater had a lot of fun writing it. The opening chapter chapter of this book is a parody of the opening line from The Hobbit and the last chapter of the book is a parody of the ending of Charlotte's Web. Oh really? And and that I found hilarious because I did not pick up on that as a kid because I had not I, I I was familiar with Charlotte's Web although I had not read it and I had not read The Hobbit or at least I didn't retain it enough to be able to say that that was a parody. Yeah, it opens up with that we, we there's so what we learned in the sequel is that that pill that Barney took at the end here that protects him from the lichen, it protects him because it put a, a specific parasite in his brain. It lives in a cyst in his brain. And her name is, uh, it, it, like, she's a real character with her own goals and everything. Her name is uh, Madame Gandhi, which is short for Toxoplasma Gandhi, which uh, is the which is a, a parasite that lives in cats and, and infects humans. Something like 90% of all humans have this in them anyway. So there's kind of a thing where it's not literally the same thing, but oh but clearly but clearly Slater wanted a kid to look this up and to learn something is my takeaway. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it would make more sense for it to have a different name because it's clearly not the same actual creature. But anyway, so Madame Toxoplasma Gandhi lives in a hole, not a, not a wet, nasty hole or a dry, barren hole, but a... Uh, <laughs> she lives in a hole in a cyst in Barney's brain, which means comfort. Like, I I love that. That's such a funny. And then the the end of this book is insane, where once again Barney has kind of orchestrated events so that that everyone kind of wins in a way that, but he gets to get out alive, which I think is a is a very smart. And so. <laughs> Well, not everyone ends because it ends with he transfer the the whole story is really about all the trouble begins because this parasite in Barney's brain wants him to go get eaten by these alien crabs that 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 her goal is to end up in the brain of an alien crab because that's the only way she can reproduce. And so eventually using the power of the piggy, he actually manages to teleport this parasite out of his own brain into this evil crab that want that, that wants to eat him and has built an entire castle devoted to fattening and eating humans. So weird. Um, so weird. It's what? it's so weird, but I love it. It's I love how insane it gets. And so the end story is this the this head evil crab is now infected by by Madame Toxoplasma Gandhi, who is now 
having babies inside of his brain and he is no longer in control of his own body and he's having a conversation with one of the babies that's like floating in front of his eye it's it's exactly like the end of charlotte's web where the little baby spiders are flying away on the wind wilbur's and and like the baby spider is like i'm a friend you're a friend of my mother's <laughs> but instead of wilbur being like oh will you be my friend the crab's just like no my entire species is doomed this is terrible very and like very, having very... to witness this horror it's so weird and fun it's i love it <laughs> i <laughs> I love that they both end with from the perspective of these aliens. Like the ending of Interstellar Pig is that the the Lichen is trying to communicate with the piggy because they own it now, and the piggy is just reading them stuff from the the um, the high school yearbook that it was trapped inside of for the last like three days or whatever. I can't tell you how much I, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much I like hearing you gush about a book. <laughs> but like, I, and well, and this worries me a little bit because I feel I I feel as if this was incredibly informative, but I think the information to take away might be damning to the future of uh, of this podcast that it, it may be that we just really don't like the same kinds of books i'm not I, i'm not saying you don't like these books at all no, but no. i but i i'm picking up on some details here that like clearly we respond to very different stimuli well i, I worry i worry that i worry that what you respond to is uh i mean and i respond to this too but 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 you like like you respond to things you've read before that you enjoyed before and like that that's not a great guide for me to find new books for you you, you know well but that's well, but okay, because uh, I I was I was anticipating this argument, not to say that it's an argument, but in the in the debate sense, right? Mm-hmm. I was I was anticipating this point, and let me let me just push back on that a little by saying that when I read these the first time, I liked them, right? It's it I'm not I'm not liking them because I'm revisiting them. I'm revisiting them because I like them. Like that's a major distinction, right? Well, I, I mean, I mean that, that's why you're revisiting. But but I but I think I think both are true. I think I think I think you do like them because you like them before. I mean, like 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 it, it's kind of a dumb thing to say, right? That you like them because you like them. I mean, like well, I I understand I, that, but like well, but I but I do like. It's not that I don't like any new things. Like I really liked uh uh the Kevin Wilson book, uh, Nothing to See Here. That's true. I love that book. That's true. That's a great book. I liked the Murderbot books. They weren't my favorite, but I did. I liked them more than most of the things we read it's uh i that um you know that legion of superheroes book was new to me and and i liked that one a decent amount now granted i was already familiar with the legion of superheroes uh, as a comics reader so that could be mm-hmm. you could make of that what you will but you, you, our very first episode we you know we were reading a your favorite book of all time a wizard of Earthsea. surely there was a time when you read that first and you really liked it and it wasn't it was, you you didn't have nostalgia for it when you first read it. No, right? I, I, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm I'm trying to yeah no, and, and I appreciate you pointing out the books that you've liked. I mean, because um, that makes me less uh, less depressed. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but. what what I'm trying what I'm trying to articulate isn't that I like these books because they're familiar. I like Parasite. I sorry, I like Interstellar Pig. I like Interstellar Pig more than I like Parasite Pig. Um, I like Interstellar Pig because it is very plot driven. The, there are weird characters in it, and I like the characters being weird. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, you know, I like I said, I don't care about the protagonist. I don't. I don't want to develop the protagonist character in any special way. Like, I just want him to move the plot forward. Like, which which Barney does. Like, Barney is not a fleshed out character. I'll be the first to say it, but that doesn't really matter to me very much. Mm. And I know that's the kind of thing that we should be able to say, oh, that of course that matters. It's very important that 
you know, such, but like there are tons of incredible works of literature of which that's not really true. If you read The Great Gatsby, uh, you know, Nick is a camera piece. Uh, Ishmael is a is a camera piece, right? And I'm not saying that's a prerequisite for me liking a book, but I am saying that like what those books have in common is that they aren't about long, long periods of introspection in the same way, right? Right. Um, and so that I respond to I respond to moving forward in a story. I respond to details that that are not arbitrary that that have that have to do with the greater story. I like Parasite. I, I keep doing it. Parasite Pig rolls off the tongue better. Let's yeah, just yeah, yeah. let's just get that out of the way. I respond to the fact that in Interstellar Pig, the plot is I I I love that the characters that that we meet are weird. I love that they are these aliens who have weird weaponized body parts. Like they're they're aesthetically, I'm very much into the concepts of that of what are going on here. So like aesthetics matter, right? If this was a book about German spies uh, that were doing basically the same thing, but they did not turn into tentacles cold gas bags <laughs> i would i would be i will admit i'd be super bored no no that they have that's very important i think that, that that that's yeah no you you are responding to an aesthetic here that, that that's interesting right the, the fact that part of the plot revolves around a time traveling lizard man with a hyper intelligent <laughs> slug in his head like that to me it, it's funny because um you know we read that first the consider phlebas of uh the culture novels right we read that first culture novel together mm-hmm. And I didn't like I didn't like it, but I have since uh, been described the 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 other culture novels, and from their descriptions, they sound great. They're fantastic. Right? They're also good. They not all. They not sound all, like these. Not all, but quite good they sound like these insane operatic you know stories uh, that are full of great betrayals and mysteries and that they sound super cool but having read that first one i'm like well but i don't think i like the way the author writes but i am fascinated by the ideas that are happening in these other ones and so like there's a part of me that is curious to learn about them but at the same time like if they are if they have the same writing style as the first one i will almost assuredly fall asleep reading it all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna go back through i'm gonna find another one of the culture and I think you will respond aesthetically a little bit and I, and I, and I will I, I suggest we read that I, I will I will pitch you three culture novels and, and, and let's read okay. l- let's read one in the next six months okay okay I'm I'm fine with that okay let's let's tell the reader uh the reader because you're reading a podcast right yes. let's tell the listener at home uh about the next book that we are planning to read which is how to lose the time war by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. Yes, very excited. A short novel that I've been meaning to read for a long time. Uh, thank you for agreeing to I, read it. According to Wikipedia, it is a novella. So okay. if, if, if we're going to split hairs about what is and what isn't a novel. Doesn't, doesn't novella mean short novel? It's fine with me. It does. It's fine with me. Cool. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> excited. We'll do that next time. And uh, let's see. If you have suggestions about things we could read, if you could tell us what culture novel Willow might like, that would be very helpful to me. Uh you can reach us at bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Is that it? That's everything. Okay. I've been Willow Payne. And I am still Gene Ambaum. Have a good day. Take care. And keep stabbing. <laughs>